the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And uh, we have a great show, as always, with some great interviews and a lot to cover. A lot to cover. Uh, I was... um, just reviewing my notes, Adam Angievsky of OpenTheBooks.com will be with us. Adam has uh, all the details on the incredible size of Dr. Fauci's retirement package. He's already the highest paid employee in the federal government by far, not by far, by uh, of all, not more than the president, more than anybody else. And his retirement package is amazing. So we'll hear from Adam Anjevsky in a few moments. And then we'll have some interesting news, kind of an announcement. I wanted to get her on. It's not kind of, it's an announcement. Our friend Tammy Nichols from Idaho, who is a member of the legislature there, she's running for state senate. And uh, that's big news. I'm going to ask her about that. Tammy Nichols, very, very impressive woman. Uh, We'll hear from her. But first, what you need to know, what you need to know today, we have to talk about... The reality, the contours, the limits of what you're allowed to say in this country. Because the Babylon Bee, you may remember the Babylon Bee. The Babylon Bee was, uh, is, I think it was not founded by Seth Dillon. I think he may have come in as an early guy, but he's been with them for a long time. And he's the man in charge, Seth Dillon. Seth Dillon was actually at a part of our summer collegians summit. Last year, we did it all virtually because of obviously the COVID stuff in Washington, D.C. We couldn't have our usual students come to town because Washington, D.C. was so out of control. So we had our our summit uh, virtually, and it was a big hit. It was a virtual summit, Collegians, um, Phyllis Schlafly Eagles Collegians Summit, and we had all kinds of guests come to our office just off of Capitol Hill for the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, and Seth Dillon was one of those guests, and Seth Dillon uh, received an award, an Eagle Award, for his work at the Babylon Bee. The Babylon Bee is a, a satiric website that's very funny. I mean, it's really funny. It's funny writing. It's clever uh, um, kind of um, uh, juxtaposition of ideas. I'm just really well done. And Seth Dillon, uh, and it's more conservative. It's kind of center right. It t- definitely sides with the center right, but it pokes fun at everybody a, a bit. Um, but Seth Dillon at the time was talking about how uh, comedy and making people laugh and chuckle and think about things was a very effect- effective way to engage the discourse. And in some sense, if you're a satirist like the Babylon Bee, if you're engaged in satire, you sort of are outside of the realm of having to be a direct journalist. Now, you chuckle and laugh when I say this, that uh, you know CNN and others, they don't look like they were being particularly good journalists when you look at the, uh, the, the buried the Biden laptop, they didn't authenticate it, or the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, or anything else. Uh, but the Babylon Bee, very prominently, is clear, this is satire, this is comedy, it's meant to make you laugh. We're doing this to entertain. And Seth Dillon has been 
very successful at it. He's grown the site. He's grown his uh, following. And I don't know for sure. I don't really know if he makes a lot of money. I'm not sure how a site like that works. But it's been successful. Let's say it that way. Well, he's been silenced by Twitter for a tweet uh, where the Babylon Bee named... Adam Levine, the, the I mean, not Adam Levine, that's a singer, uh, the, the Secretary Levine uh, of the Biden administration of the Health and Human Services uh, uh, Department. They, Babylon B announced that she, that she, she goes by she, she's a, a man who says she's a woman and is tra- therefore transgender head of the, ca- in the cabinet, head of the department. The Babylon B named uh, Levine the man of the year. Now, that's clearly satire because USA Today listed Secretary Levine as one of the influential women of the year. I don't know if it was woman of the year, but I think it was like a a category of, I don't know if it was a dozen or some number. I don't even know. I didn't see it. But that was the news last week was USA Today picked their woman of the year. And it was Secretary Levine, who is a man who has now transitioned to being a woman. And if you see the photos, it's pretty clear. Um, uh, he, she, uh, Levine came out of Pennsylvania. Uh, that's not a pun there. I didn't mean that, uh, as, as, uh, was up there working in government for the Democrats there. So the Babylon B gets suspended from Twitter because they clearly were engaged in satire. They, they obviously were making fun and joking and they called that hate. Now, I have to say now, we're back to this incredible moment where if you criticize, say, the man, the transgender man who's racing and swimming as a woman for UPenn, you're going to be, you know, beaten up. And one of the Virginia Tech swimmers came out and actually complained about it, which is the first time they used their name. There were some that complained but didn't want their names used. But think about where we are. The Babylon Bee, a satiric site, is now silenced from Twitter. And you can say, oh, go over to, to uh, Gab or go over to Parler. It's not the same. You can even say go over to TikTok. It's not the same. Twitter is a place where Seth Dillon and his team built their real estate. They built their house. They built, built their house on the Twitter real estate. That's the way to say it. Now, I've heard people tell me, Oh, oh, don't build your, uh, you know, don't build your beachfront home on a, on real estate that's next to the water. Don't go ahead and do something like a satiric uh, center right site on Twitter because you'll lose everything. On the other hand, at what point are we clear that the way to communicate, especially in say the political discourse, is Twitter? It's the dominant form. I mean, I guess Facebook is too. They'd complain if I said that. Instagram, other sites. But there, there is a, 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 an argument to be made about Twitter being one of the key sites. Let's say that, one of the key sites. And they're silencing the Babylon Bee for doing what they said they do. And you can be Louis Farrakhan and be racist. You can be uh, Antifa and be uh, uh, what's uh, violently anti-American, uh, in my opinion. You can be uh, BLM and have a what opinion, opinion and, on, on uh, events that look like they're racist. You can say untruths like it's Russian disinformation regarding the um, B- Biden laptop. You can lie about Trump. And the Russia hoax or the Charlottesville fine people hoax or all these other things. And there will be no one holding you accountable. But if you're the Babylon Bee and you touch the, the, uh, the third rail of the cultural battle, 
transgenderism. There's lots of other ones around there. You will be silenced? Really? Is that what we're going to have? Is that how it's going to operate? Again, we are in for a very interesting time because the question becomes whether so-called conservatives and this so-called conservative party, the Republican Party, will get into office at the national level. And if they do get into office, what will they do about these kinds of issues? Is there a, a vision that they have for how to handle these things? Because I'm not sure that the thing we want to do is have some government bureaucrat be in charge of what's regulated, right? I, I don't know if we can have it be the Wild West where anything goes, right? There are some things that should not be allowed to be said. But what would the what, what's the path for someone at the Babylon Bee to say, wait a second, we're, we're engaging in what we've done, what we described we would do. It's not outside of that. It's right there. Saturday Night Live does satire. I don't think they've been quite as edgy as that on the transgender, but they actually have been sort of funny in the last little while. I forget. Oh, and one of the, uh, one of the skits about um, people going out to eat and one of the uh, people that is dining out is saying, I, I don't really know if the masks worked. And the others are like, ah, oh, you can't be serious. It's just kind of, it's pretty funny satire. Pretty funny satire of the people who think that all, everything's solved by masks and all the rest. So what's going to happen when the Babylon Bee... The Babylon Bee is silenced for doing what they say they did. And here's what always gets me. That's the ones we can see, right? That, those are the ones we can see. You know, Babylon Bee, Seth Dillon can put out a, a tweet from his private account, from his personal account, and say, our Babylon Bee site just got, uh, our, our Twitter feed just got silenced. He can do that, and we can see it. What about all the ones that don't ever get seen? What about the throttling back? What about the algorithms that are written in a way? Because Twitter probably doesn't really like the attention they're getting right now over the Babylon Bee. So that more frequently, I think they just take care of business on the side. Take care of business in such a way that people don't know that there has been throttling back. It's a... It's a brave new world. It is a brave new world in terms of information, in terms of who controls it, in terms of what we can do to try to get to the bottom of it. And then, you know, ultimately, you're not going to see a Babylon Bee again. Somebody's not going to build that and have it be uh, knocked down like it was on a, a, a foundation of sand. All right, we've got to take a break. When we come back, uh, Adam Andrzejewski and a whole lot more. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report and uh, checking in with our old friend Adam Andrzejewski. Uh Adam Andrzejewski is OpenTheBooks.com, OpenTheBooks.com, and Adam's got so much there, there, if you go to that website, on all different kinds of government uh, spending, state level, federal level. Best news about it is um, it's all parties. It's not any one party. It's the it's your tax dollars where they're spent. It's a very useful resource. So welcome back, Adam. How are you? Great to be on the program, Ed. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, you're welcome. So that caught my eye was a uh, was a report you've got that says uh, it's time for Fauci to go. Now, it feels like Fauci was another millennia where we had this thing, the pandemic. Instead, we're in a war on war footing. But <laughs> that's just because the world is moving so darn fast. But walk us through what you found in this report. Walk us through what uh, it says to you. You've seen a lot of these, a lot of uh, a lot. You've had a lot of things revealed over the many years. What, what's happened here? So we found that Dr. Fauci makes more than the president. Mrs. Fauci, Christine Grady, makes more than the vice president. 
And when Dr. Anthony Fauci retires, we've estimated that his golden parachute federal retirement pension is north of 355000 a year. So, Ed, wow. on day one, when Fauci retires, paid to stay home, he's going to be making pro- approximately 1000 bucks a day. In his first three years of retirement, he'll clean off what, more than $1 million worth of federal pension. Now, uh, Adam, um, Adam Anjewski, founder and the president of Open the Books, um, is that uh, we've heard a lot about golden parachutes, right? So there's a lot of golden parachutes. Uh, I don't know, state uh, U.S. senators when they retire. I don't even know what they get. Right. I don't know what the comparison would be. Uh, but the president, as you point out, it's more salary than the president. Um, is this even for what you've seen in these in, in all the different places you look, is this the most outrageous? So I think, you know, with Dr. Anthony Fauci's. Uh, salary that out earns everybody, the president, four star generals in the United States military, 4.3 million of his colleagues at the federal level. Yeah, this is the most outrageous. He'll retire on the largest federal pension in U.S. history. Okay. And so, you know, the reason he's paid so much goes back to 2004 when he was given a permanent salary adjustment. And think of it as a permanent bonus. And it's why he makes more than anybody else at the federal level. And it's why his pension will be the largest in federal history. And he's given that permanent pay bonus for his work on biodefense. In other words, he was paid to stop the next pandemic and he failed. (laughs) The, the, um, it's pretty, it'd be funny if it wasn't uh, so, so uh, sad. Now he's older too, right? Isn't he way past retirement uh, age? If he wanted to retire, he'd get it tomorrow, right? Yeah, he would get it tomorrow. But, you know, I look, the federal benefits are so lucrative that he's first going to soak up all of his paid time off. And he's been there 55 years. He's 81 years old. So check out this statistic. If you're there just three years, you get 44 days of paid time off. Ed, that's nearly nine full work weeks at taxpayer expense where we pay them for staying home, paid time off, sick days, holidays, vacation days, right? Well, you have to understand that probably Fauci, after 50, uh, 55 years in federal service, he's got a massive PTO account. And so he can sit there and draw that down. We won't really see him. He won't be doing too much. He's going to be at home. That option probably looks very attractive right now. And if Republicans take the House, you know, he knows he's going to be in the hot seat. He knows he's going to be investigated six ways to Sunday. He'll just take retirement at that point. Yeah, it, um, it is amazing uh, how these things happen. Now, again, Adam Anjewski is our guest uh, OpenTheBooks.com. Um, Adam, uh, is this, has this accelerated in the last, you mentioned 2004 was when he got this pay adjustment. So it's 20 years, 18 years, but almost two decades. Uh, has this accelerated dramatically in the last couple of decades or you know in other words is it kind of like the uh uh moore's law of bureaucracy you know at a certain point it just keeps getting faster and faster the money gets better and better the pension gets better there was some reform at one point i thought to try to stop the golden parachute pensions but doesn't sound like that uh lasted very long or worked very well yeah i think the snowballs running down the hill picking up speed in terms of the federal bureaucracy You know, obviously it was Trump's signature campaign promise in 2016 to, quote unquote, drain the swamp. Well, we just got the latest figures in that cover the full four years of the Trump administration and the federal bureaucracy in the executive agencies, even under President Trump, grew to a modern day high 
of an extra 50,000 positions were added during the Trump years. Now, to be fair, during the first three years, he there was only a, a tenth of 1% growth. He held the federal bureaucracy in check. It was basically at serve for his first three years. Once the pandemic hit, all that spending and the federal bureaucracy went back on steroids. Well, and that's that's right. And 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 this is one of the things that um, makes me shake my head a little bit. Uh, if you're a conservative, I know you are in many in many issues. If we talked about them, although open the books uh, is not necessarily you know taking a position on all these issues, but we're talking about all the different issues and all. I, as a conservative, Donald Trump did not deliver on some things. One of them was, as you point out, when the pandemic hit. I think Donald Trump went into um, uh, New York businessman mode where. You can fix it. You can fix it later. What you do now, but just try to solve the emergency. He, he either he fell for that. He felt either he fell for that, or he's assessed and said, uh, "We're going to have something worse if I don't, you know, throw money at it, throw people at it, throw everything at it." The kitchen sink. And I think he at least has made some reference to regretting some of his decisions, which is inevitable. I don't think there's, you know, I don't think there's any uh, leader at the time who uh, didn't make some pretty big mistakes. But um, on this one. The trend line, by the time he's done the pandemic and leaves office and now Biden's in, we're seeing a growth, right? I mean, we're, it's, it's almost off the charts how much it's grown and more spending, more employees, right? Yeah, exactly. And there's something a little bit more pernicious. The size, scope and power of government over the course of the last 20 years, Ed, at all levels, has grown so much that, you know, let's take National Institutes of Health as a prime example of this. So a year ago, once we found that Fauci was the number one top paid federal employee, many people asked, how? You know, how can a director of a sub-agency of a sub-agency of health and human services make the most? So we filed Freedom of Information Act requests to find out why. And NIH produced virtually nothing subject to those requests of any value. Then five months ago with Judicial Watch, we sued them in federal court. Fast forward five months, they've produced virtually nothing zip on our federal lawsuit related to the Fauci financials, but they admit to holding 1,200 pages. Now, I want you to. So so then Fauci in January in the Senate hearing with U.S. Senator Roger Marshall, he's asking Fauci about his finances. He's citing Forbes, which was my column at the time. He issues a demand letter after the hearing for his financials and cites my column, right? So we're right in the mix of this. Fauci lies in that hearing. He says his finances are public knowledge, and they weren't. When I went up with that at Forbes, this information was so sensitive that his finances weren't public knowledge that two directors of the National Institutes of Health, two bureau chiefs of the National Institutes of Health, two public affairs officers in that agency, they wrote a letter to Forbes they came down hard on Forbes. Forbes came down hard on me, canceled my column. Wow. Right? So, I mean, this is Fauci's line in the U.S. Senate hearing. They, the agency is not complying with the statutes regarding our right to know public information. They're not complying with production on the lawsuit. Fauci's lying in the Senate hearing. They pressure Forbes. Forbes caves. I lose my column. I mean, this is absolutely incredible. Yeah, well, Adam Anjevsky, OpenTheBooks.com is his website. He's the founder and the president. Um, And I know this is going to sound a little, um, I don't mean to be flip, but is is this the way it usually goes? 
or did you poke the biggest bear? Because it feels like usually when you find something outrageous, I remember you guys published a, um, a, uh, a bunch of the documents on the size of endowments, the universities that have had these huge endowments grown. And it got a lot of attention. In fact, I think there was then later taxes on endowments. Trump signed that at one point. But in this yes. case, you poked the bear and the bear just beat the heck out of you back. I mean, it, it, I mean, are you surprised that there wasn't more like, you know, oh boy, we got caught. Instead, they, as you said, they, they either lied about it or tried to change the subject. And frankly, they, he's still there. Forbes doesn't have your column. It's, uh, I mean, this is a lot of power, right? It is a lot of power. And so, I, you know, I think the U.S. federal government made the decision that Fauci was untouchable, that he was, that he had to be on the team, that he was untouchable, and that no one could lay a glove on him. And that starts back in 2004 with that, with that private memo that we uncovered publicly. This was forecast by George W. Bush when he gave Fauci in 2008 the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which is the highest civilian honor that one can achieve. So right. at that at that moment, starting in 2008 publicly, you know, it's basically announced that, you know, Fauci is untouchable. You can't lay, lay a glove on him and he's protected. And that's been my experience. Wow. Wow. All right. Openthebooks.com. Adam Anjewski, thank you as always. I'll put it up on uh, social media also. Appreciate your good work and we'll talk again very soon. Thank you, Ed. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. When we come back, uh, we will have uh, more interviews. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com. Be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. So we've had as a guest a number of times my friend from Idaho, Tammy Nichols. She is in the legislature in the Idaho State House, and she has been fearless. Lots of stuff going on. Uh, it's funny that Idaho has Republicans in almost every, well, in lots and lots of positions of power, including the governorship and others, and yet on a whole bunch of issues from uh, the COVID pandemic overreaction to uh, other, other aspects of spending, it's not been particularly conservative, and Tammy's been on the right side of most of these issues, all these issues, as far as I can tell. I don't know. I guess I don't know them all. But uh, Tammy Nichols just announced recently she was going to run for a state Senate seat. So either moving on up, if you think that's moving on up, or moving on down, or whatever it would be. But uh, welcome, <laughs> Tammy, back to the program. How are you? Good, Ed. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Before we get to your Senate, the state Senate uh, conversation, How's what's going on in the legislature? And maybe more importantly, Idaho is really in a hot primary because the governor and the lieutenant governor, the same party, are running against each other. What? Give us an update on what's happening in Idaho. Yeah, so right now we are just uh, getting ready to wrap up our legislative session for the year. And uh, there's been some good things that we've done. There's been a lot of bad things that we've <laughs> that we've allowed. Uh, you know, myself and several others try to try to keep those bad things from happening. But uh, a lot of times we get outvoted on those. Um, there's been a lot of spending, a lot, a lot of spending. Our state has almost almost a two billion dollar surplus, and so there has been a lot of spending going on. All the agencies want their share of the pie, and uh, you know, a lot of this comes from ARPA money, which is actually going to be paid in interest off the off the backs of our children and grandchildren and probably great grandchildren at this time. So several of us uh, more liberty legislators have been standing up and, and voting against those things um, because we don't feel that that's 
that's a responsible um, government. And, uh, and so we have had some successes in that, which has been good. Um, we're trying to get tax relief to our taxpayers here. That's been a, a hard, hard thing to do. Um, we have two, two bills, uh, one to cut the gas tax and then one to eliminate grocery tax on food. And uh, we've been trying to uh, stand up and force those votes out of, out of the drawer um, all session long. So I don't think we're going to be able to get that pulled off, but we keep trying and we have votes recorded to let um, our, our Idahoans know, you know, who's voting which direction on these things. So, so yeah, we're wrapping that up. And uh, yes, you're right. Our, our lieutenant governor and our governor are in the same race um, for this, uh, this election cycle. They're both running for governor and, uh, and that's, going to be you know interesting to to watch that <laughs> i'd say we're talking with tammy nichols and tammy nichols uh her website is nichols for idaho.com n-i-c-h-o-l-s nichols for idaho f-o-r for idaho.com nichols for idaho.com a lot of uh there there back for one second to the spending um you mentioned that you mm-hmm. you have a billion or two billion dollar um surplus it, it is it yeah. the economy the economy's not quite booming at that level. So it, it, you're saying it's the federal money, the the COVID transfer, the bailout stuff that's mm-hmm. all transferred into the state. And are there restrictions on it? Do they have to pretend that they're going to, I don't know, renovate the the uh, Department of uh, Social <laughs> Services auditorium for the next pandemic? Or do they just get the money? You know, it's really interesting. I mean, these appropriation bills come through and they they literally have a line item for ARPA money in it. And it can be from, you know, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. There's been a few that have been less, up to millions and millions of dollars. We have a Medicaid bill that's that's getting ready to come forward for four billion dollars. It is wow. insurmountable. It is crazy. Um, and so, you know, several of us have promised that we are gonna fight against this. When the ARPA money first started coming in, we got this booklet that told us how this money um, was going to be utilized. And there was so many blank spaces still in it that we didn't even know what we were agreeing to. And so, yes, there are strings attached, but, you know, once you give this money to these agencies, um, you know, they can, they can kind of direct that throughout the agency, wherever they want. And our governor has been even sprinkling extra, extra dollars into these um, appropriation bills. And so you have just a, a ton of money that's being spent. Um, and so our surplus is primarily, um, I believe, built upon these, these federal dollars. Now, you'll hear our governor tout that our economy is just doing so well and all this sort of stuff. And we're doing pretty good, but we have a lot of, lot of um, businesses that are having a hard time hiring right now. And, uh, and so, yeah, so a lot of it, I believe, is the ARPA money that's coming in. We're becoming more and more reliant on the federal dollar in our state every single year. And it's, it's not a good direction to be going. Uh, we're talking again with uh, Tammy Nichols from Idaho, NicholsForIdaho.com. She's a, a state representative now running for state Senate. Um, it, it, Tammy, the, um, the lieutenant governor came out to D.C., and at one point, I remember doing an event with her. We we're talking about policy, about um, bringing our troops home, that the, the, the forever wars had gone on forever. And of course, now we had the debacle of the withdrawal in Afghanistan. But we have this uh, ramp mm-hmm. up of the sort of war fever. Uh, how, how does Idaho? I mean, no, no, look, nobody likes invaded uh, country countries. Nobody likes people dying. 
how does Idaho, how do Idahoans see this uh, Ukraine situation? Yeah. So, I mean, you have, you have your people, you know, here that, that do understand what's going on. Um, you know, you have a lot of supporting Ukraine. Uh, we even passed a resolution on the house floor, um, in support of, of Ukraine. So there is that support here. Um, but you know, I, I think a lot of people, they don't want to see us getting back into another war and seeing what happened, you know, in the middle East with the withdrawal, uh, that was devastating to, to have happen in, in the manner that it did. And, you know, and I've been a big supporter of, um, you know, uh, defend the guard, bring our troops home. And I've had an opportunity to work with the, that organization and, and trying to get that message out. But we don't want to just jump in from one war to another war, um, you know, and especially when Congress is supposed to call any type of war. It's supposed to go through Congress constitutionally, and they're the ones that are supposed to do this. Um, mm-hmm. So, so you know, while, they're, while the support is there and, you know, you feel for the people that are involved, you want things to be done the right way and it has to be for the right reasons. And so, you know, I just, I just don't know if, if people here in Idaho are ready to, to jump into another battle. Yeah. All right. So Tammy Nichols, you have a, a, an otherwise uh, sane life. You're a state uh, representative and <laughs> uh, you know, you've figured out how to, you know, uh, navigate the hallways there. And now there's a state Senate seat. And I know a lot of people do, you know, a lot of people run for one office and they say, okay, I, I can help uh uh, first of all, does Idaho have term limits? Idaho does not have term limits. No. So you didn't. Do you don't have to. You did not have to move if you didn't. You don't have to move. So why move up? What's the What's the reason? What yeah. How does it fit uh, with what you're doing? Well, it could be because I'm crazy, but I'd like to say that's not the reason. Um, you know, here in Idaho, <laughs> here in Idaho, we just got done with redistricting. Um, so all of, you know, our, all of our boundaries change for the most part. But we've had problems in our Senate for, the la- for as long as I've been in. I've been in four years and there's always been a problem in the Senate. Um, we, we tease that the Senate is where good bills go to die. And a lot of the times <laughs> that is true. And right. so, you know, we need to make a change. And the only way to make that change is to get new people in there, good people in there that are going to actually represent and people that understand the process and, and what needs to be fixed in it. Um, you know, you can't fix anything if you don't understand why it's broken to begin with. So it was just a good time, a good time to do it. Um, there's there's going to be a lot of changes in, in the Idaho House and Senate this um, next election. And so it's, I'm, I'm hoping for good things. I'm hoping we get some really good people in over at the Senate side. Um, maybe some younger, fresh blood would be would be good. Um, but, uh, but we need the change over there so that we can get good legislation passed. I mean, it was our Senate last session that, um, you know, we passed in the house and end the emergency order and to rein the governor's, uh, um, powers in. And, uh, the Senate is the one that, that caused our defeat in that. So, so we, we need the change and now's a good time to do it. And so I'm, I'm taking that leap, um, to be able to, to initiate that. Hmm. Well, I think, as you said, you're probably a little bit crazy, but actually, you know, it's uh, it is uh, it is having an idea of what how things work. And as you said, we're certainly in the middle of a interesting time within the parties, both parties, the Democrat mm-hmm. Party is being pulled to the left and the Republican Party has this sort of populist energy that is there and it's balanced, you know, it's uh, counterbalanced. I don't think it's an even match right now. I think there's more populist energy uh, than ever. But, uh, you know, I think there is certainly the sort mm-hmm. of Chamber of Commerce set and we'll see. Well, listen, good luck again. It's it's uh, Nichols, 
for Idaho.com, N-I-C-H-O-L-S, for F-O-R, for Idaho.com. Find out more about Tammy Nichols. And uh, it's been great to have you on again. Thank you, Tammy. Thanks, Ed. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. And I'll put that up on social media so you can track that. And we'll have uh, Tammy back on again. And uh, we'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. At Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson's hearing entitled COVID-19, A Second Opinion, infectious disease experts shared their thoughts on how America is handling COVID as compared to other nations. Listen to what some of these experts have to say. Dr. Ryan Cole said that the vaccinated people are not only getting the Omicron variant, but are getting it at a higher rate than the unvaccinated, especially if they received two or three shots. He said, this is why mandates are absolutely moot, irrelevant, and need to go away worldwide, adding that we know how to treat an upper respiratory infection like the common cold. Dr. Paul Alexander cited the high risk of vaccinating people who have natural immunity from a previous bout with COVID. Children should never get these vaccines, Dr. Alexander said, noting that properly informed consent has never occurred. Dr. Harvey Risch, the renowned Yale epidemiologist, denounced the mainstream media for failing to report the very significant evidence of benefit from both hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, which have shown to reduce hospitalization and death by over 50% when used for early outpatient treatment. Dr. Risch criticized outright fraud by the FDA in using data from hospitalized patients to exaggerate the risks of these very safe medications that should be used in the outpatient setting. Dr. Pierre Corey, a specialist in pulmonary critical care, cited evidence from Mexico, India, Brazil, and elsewhere that COVID was virtually eradicated by the early and widespread use of cheap ivermectin. Dr. Mary Bowden, an ear, nose, and throat specialist who, unlike Dr. Fauci, has personally treated many COVID patients, told how Houston Methodist Hospital was warehousing COVID patients with ineffective treatment while impeding early treatment options. These doctors make clear that early treatment is the key to battling COVID, but you won't hear that from the lips of Dr. Fauci and his ilk. Disagreement within the medical community is common, especially when it comes to such novelties as COVID-19. These disagreements aren't a bad thing. In fact, they are the very catalyst of scientific advancement. And we, the people, should demand that dialogue. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The hypocrisy and lies of the liberal media are alarming and even incite public unrest. But the fake news and the commentators who slant coverage are finally being exposed. At phyllisschlafly.com, we promise to provide timely alerts and take effective action on your behalf. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. So as we finish today, let me ask you a question. What is the difference between kabuki theater, as I call it, and a real fighter, a real fight? What's the difference between kabuki and fighting? Because we're watching the Republicans in the Senate at the, at the um, confirmation hearings of the nomination of Judge Jackson to the U.S. Supreme Court, they are engaged in what seems like 
a pretty good fight. They've gone through Judge Jackson's record. They've discovered that she has a um, stated longstanding policy preference for uh, lower sentences for people doing certain crimes, including uh, sexual offenses, including what could be characterized as uh, offenses against the minors pedophilia or whatever the phrase you'd like to use. So they're mounting something of an opposition. They appear to be fighting. And the question you have to ask yourself is, is it a real fight? Because are they really going to stop anything? I'm reminded of the Democrats when they were uh, opposing Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Coney Barrett. They, most people knew they weren't going to beat them uh, back. They had the numbers, right? The, so what you were seeing was Cory Booker and Kamala Harris do dramatic uh, made-for-TV moments to try to get uh, curry favor with the uh, presidential voters, right, in the primaries. Nobody thought it was going to make a difference until, at least in the case of Kavanaugh, they were able to get something that became such a hot button that for a moment it looked like Kavanaugh might be derailed. He wasn't, though. You see, he wasn't. And my point here is it feels to me like this is kabuki theater, meaning this is a lot of, uh, a lot of um, uh, play acting, uh, a lot of shadows uh, dancing, and a lot of attention paid. And certainly it's a real issue. You can bring it up. But does anybody think that they don't – does anybody think the Democrats don't have the votes? There's no indication that cinema or mansion or someone is going to vote against the Democrat president and this nomination, right? So this is kabuki theater. It's not real fighting. And the real question that we have to ask ourselves is how often do we know that it's just theater and not real fighting when we see what's going on? Because it, it will feel like there is coverage, there is a, a real fight going on. But then, I don't know, in the swamp, is it, is it, is it, is it window dressing, right? So, and I, as we point towards a new Congress, which more and more people tend to think is going to be a Republican Congress, do we expect to find real fighting or kabuki theater? Will there be real efforts to get to the bottom of, say, the 50-plus Intelligence professionals who lied about the uh, Hunter Biden laptop being Russian, Russian, Russian disinformation. Will we get to the bottom of any of that? I mean, is it possible that we'll actually have a select committee that will go into exactly what happened on January 6th with regard to the police, release the records, the videotapes? Or will we have Kabuki Theater where a few things will be done to pay attention to the polling, to pay attention to the media, and then move on to the things that are possible, right? That's one of the tricks of these is we're going to do what we can do, what we can accomplish so if the Republicans have the House and Senate but not the White House next year, they'll say, well, we've been told Joe Biden will veto any legislation that actually uh, takes away uh, money from Planned Parenthood. So why bother? Well, over here, we can finally do an infrastructure bill and we can get the things we need, which is you know, not money to the unions this time, but money to actually build bridges. That's the kind of theater we'll get. Because we'll be told that's all that's possible. Well, Joe Biden says he'll veto the, the ban on critical race theory. So instead, we're going to create more options for enterprise zones in inner cities to give more people options when it comes to uh, opportunities and jobs and maybe even some modest school choice, charter schools, but not real choice. 
The question is, are we being played by being fed theater, kabuki theater, as fighting when it's not real fighting? That's what you have to be worried about. And if we're lied to by the media all the time, it seems, why wouldn't they be lying to us about that? That's what I worry about. All right, we got to run. Thank you, as always, to our great producer, Noah Dingley. Also to our associate producer, Joanna Spilger. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, and you can uh, uh, sign up there for the daily email. And we will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.